1: This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 384th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We have a special edition this week, a special episode this week. Cause we're going to hear from Falcons coach Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot kind of putting a bow around the 7 and 10 season and then looking forward into what's going to be a very busy offseason. We're going to title this episode The Front Office Shuffle. Yeah, that's what we're going to call it cuz they were um they'll be shuffling and uh, they'll be doing a lot of work this offseason starting right away. Uh, With the announcement that they're going to be coaching in the senior, uh, the East-West Rhine Bowl out in Las Vegas. Uh, On the calendar here, it starts on the 25th and the games the following week on the 2nd. You know, we'll see uh, how that goes. The NFL is trying to promote that game as one where uh, some of the minority coaches get uh, opportunities to coach and lead uh, Marquise Williams going to be the Falcons' head guy out there, and Arthur Smith was excited because he said, "Hey, I can just get to chill in Vegas for a week." But you know they're going to look at the players and uh, interview them because that's a valuable part of this process. And, um, and then the Senior Bowl's going. So uh, GM Terry Fontenot said they're going to split up the forces, make sure both of the games are covered, and uh, start getting ready for this off season. So, but let's look back. We got uh we got a lot of issues facing the team here. Uh the quarterback, uh Caleb McGarry, uh, Chris Lindstrom, a lot of issues, but um Terry, one of the things Terry Fatten said is hey, before we move forward, we're gonna assess everything. You know, that's the old self-assess, self-scout, and then that'll guide. Uh, their uh, actions in free agency, which is first, and then the draft, which is second. So let's hear from the general manager. Go straight to general manager Terry Fontenot on how this season went.
2: Yeah, it's look. We we sit here and and um we're seven and ten. Every time we lose a game, we hate we hate losing. We're all competitors and we hate losing. But what we appreciate is the resilience of this team and the, the way they fought and competed every single game and and the way they they competed in in practice and the way they continue we have a really resilient team the it 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 hurts whenever you lose you hate it for the staff you hate it for the players you hate it for the fans we we have a really passionate fan base we appreciate them all the way down to the last game against tampa Um, the energy in the building all those things and so you, you hate losing any games or competitors, but what we really believe in, we believe in the direction of this program, and we're, we're very excited about the the culture that we've instilled on competitiveness and development. We're, we're very excited about the uh, the identity of this team, and, and so we really believe that we're moving in the right direction, and we're excited about going into this offseason and getting better.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, something's got to be made of the close games, the one-score games, you know, falling behind and then coming back and making it close, you know, sometimes that could be fool's goal. But we'll effort, um, you know, Cunningham and some of the analytics people to to put a, you know, bow on that. Last year when it was happening, uh, they were like, hey, this isn't sustainable. They were winning uh, all of the one-score games. And so that's no way to live. Uh, But the fact that you are competing and are competitive, that's your bow well for you as you, you know, get your roster better. It was pointed out to me what a couple weeks ago the point differential in the losses had gone down from eight points to two, uh, and I got to look at that and see if that still holds. I know one of the big things we made a point of last season was the point differential was the third or uh, third lowest, I believe, behind the Giants and the Lions. So of course the Giants closed that gap as they're going to the playoffs, and the Lions look like they turned things around. Now the Falcons haven't had that breakthrough win yet, unless you count San Francisco this year, uh, but they didn't sustain things after that. So uh, Detroit got got things flipped around about midseason, made a run, almost went to the playoffs. So we're looking for that. We'll be looking for that early from the Falcons next season. But as we go into the off-season, we wanted to know what the off-season process would be for the Falcons, and here's Terry Fontenot on that.
2: Yeah, we're right in the heart of everything. And, and uh, the scouting department does a really good job. We've already had some um, college meetings in December. The the pro staff has been in pro meetings uh, for the last couple weeks. And so we're right in the heart uh, of that. Now, as we wrap up the season, the first thing we do is is we look in the mirror. And we're going to look at every aspect of the program and assess every detail, take a deep dive, and look at the things that went well, the things we want to continue to build on, and where the areas that – that we need to improve. So so we'll take our time and we'll first self-scout and self-assess, and then we'll move forward.
1: Yep, self-scout, self-assess. Uh, the biggest self-scout uh, and self-assess will be quarterback Desmond Ritter. And we wanted to know from Arthur Blank, excuse me, Arthur Smith, point blank, if Desmond Ritter did enough to enter the off-season
0: as the quarterback of the future. Well, D. Delight, you know, we're still early in the offseason, but we we're certainly encouraged by his the progress he made. But there's a lot of a lot of work ahead of us before we're ready to declare anything like that right now.
1: Yep. Uh, encouraging. That's good. We'll take that. It's it uh it's not it's better than the alternative. <laughs> it's that no we yeah, we better be looking for uh for the next guy. So now that we uh, he's encouraged and they're evaluating, we wanted to know how Uh, to evaluate Desmond Ritter to determine if he is the right fit at
0: quarterback for the Falcons. A lot of things, Terry just described, you know, with the offseason, where you are, you know, a couple days when the season just ended. And um, like I said, we were, you know, very encouraged. But there's a lot of things that could change. There's things – it's healthy to take a step back. Like even – not even just a couple days after, Mike, you know, as we – you know, a couple weeks as you go back and you go through your cut-ups and your – watch the games again, you watch the throws and conversations that Terry and I will have. And, you know, it's just doesn't make a lot of sense right now, two days removed from the season, to make any declaration about the roster, this guy's future. We just – we'll take our time. I mean, we obviously have had conversations, but there's a lot of work to be done until then.
1: All right, there's a lot of work to be done until then. Uh, The Falcons hold the eighth pick in the draft top three quarterbacks will be gone by then, unless you like Richardson or uh, Hendon Hooker. Uh, They might still be there at eight. Uh, You know, Chicago is that, that pick's supposed to be up for grabs. Anybody that wants Bryce Young could come up and get it. Uh, They might stand pat with fields. And, um, you know, then CJ Stroud is probably going to the Colts or will Levis to the Colts at four. So definitely by four, two of them are gone. And then, uh, it's highly unlikely the third one would make it to eight. So if the Falcons are in the quarterback market, you know, they're going to have to go up their evaluation evaluation of Ritter is uh, one that they think, okay, yeah, he's a good talent, but you know, not our quarterback of the future. We can't win a championship with him. Uh, Then uh, they, they got to make a move uh, this year in the draft. But, you don't want to get on that quarterback carousel that uh, Tampa Bay was on for years. You know, Josh Freeman's the one that stands out, but, it, you know, they thought they had him at one point and then they didn't. Uh, still haven't solved it, but they put a band aid on it in the name of Tom Brady and are back in the playoffs with it. But you got to get the quarterback right. And Terry Fontenot was a part of a situation in New Orleans where Miami nixed the uh, physical on Drew Brees. They got. Drew Brees in there, and uh, Sean Payton, the Sean Payton era took off. So we talked to Rich McKay on Sunday, and and you know the Falcons are set up and poised to to do well. He's happy with uh, Terry and Arthur, but he cautioned the variables, and you know the variables come into play at every turn. You know, are you healthy? Uh, Did this guy pass a physical? Did this guy get arrested? Uh, you know, one of the variables in the Miami Drew Brees thing is hey, they didn't like his shoulder. And uh the Saints approved it and, and they took off. So there is some, you know, luck. Won't nobody call it luck, but there is some luck involved in team building, and you gotta be right and sound on your football decisions here too. So that's where we're at as the Falcons are um starting their off season, the offseason process and uh deciding What to do at quarterback, they're very encouraged by the 2-2 and mark that Desmond Ritter made. Some of the throws were were very good, Uh, and uh, sounds like they want to pass the buck on. They want to move forward with Desmond, but they don't want to tip their hand to the rest of the league who might, you know, if somebody wants to come up and draft somebody, they can, you know, build some capital. capital. Or if they want to go up and get Jalen Carter or one of the defenders, You know, they don't want to tip their hand this early in the offseason process. So with that, we're going to take a break. This is our special episode, postseason edition of Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, episode 384 of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We're going to take a break. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. All right. One of the the big stories coming out of this season uh, was uh, the fact that the offensive line did a very, very good job in the run game. They also protected much better than they had in the last four years where Matt Ryan had at least 40 sacks. So uh, averaged 159.9 yards rushing per game, which was third in the league. And uh, now they got to build on that. They got to build out the rest of the offense. So we wanted to hear from Arthur Smith, a former offensive lineman himself, on the progress of the offensive line this season.
0: No, I thought those guys played well. But to Terry's point, you know, nothing ever you know stays the same, whether you want it to or not. But I think there was a lot of strides made in that uh, in that room, which was what I was talking about during camp. And, and so you know, it's one thing to say it, but there's one thing you know the results hopefully prove that you know with the Certainly, Drew at the center spot. Um, you know, we we did a lot of different left guards, uh, and they all contributed between Elijah and Colby and, and Henny and um, and Chuma. You know, Chuma played a game there. So, and that's a credit too to the stability of that room and and Jake and Drew. When you're mixing and matching. So, and who knows what the future holds? I thought certainly guys improved a lot. I think there's a huge. You know, every year in the the NFL, but you talk about year one or year two jump to year three, and then you certainly saw it with Chris in year four and and Caleb, so pleased. You know, there's some decisions you still got to make, but uh, the progress there was real, and you saw it week in and week out.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. They could run the ball. They ran it on everybody. They only had one game under 100 yards against the Rams. So they're set basically at center right guard and left tackle, had a revolving door at left guard have to make a decision at right tackle. Now, um, you know, uh, in addition to that, you know, they got a couple young guys that they are on the back burner. We didn't hear anything from Jalen Mayfield this year after he started uh, 16 games as a rookie at the left guard spot. So we he was, um, he was activated off of IR, but never made it to the roster. So that's kind of a, a mark against him. We'll see. Uh, if, uh, you know, what that means in the long run here. Uh, then also Justin Schaefer, he got a, he had a high ankle sprain, six-round pick from Georgia, who uh, was a role ga- grader in college. If he just can, uh, you know, get a hold of himself and take control of that position, uh, they, uh, they're waiting for somebody to take charge at that spot. Now, right tackle might be a deal where, uh, you know, they don't want to pay McGarry for four years, $70 million. And he goes into free agency, and you and draft the Paris Johnson kid out of Ohio State. So, uh, you know, there are going to be some decisions along the line also. Maybe they do pay him the $70 million or, or something in that neighborhood and, and keep him on board. But here, let's um, hear what Terry Fontenot has to say about the contract negotiations with Caleb McGarry.
2: Well, we, look, we talk about, and again, we're not going to negotiate in the media, like we said, but Caleb did some really good things th- th- this year, and he was a part of uh, setting that, that foundation. We talk about the offensive line, and you can go put on any game, and the way they established the line of scrimmage, the way we ran the football, that tough mindset, Caleb was a part of that. you know, And, and yet, we want to make sure that, hey, it'd be great if you can always have the same players and keep a cohesive unit together, but that's just not, the, that's not how it works sometimes. Sometimes there are different parts, but we want to continue to have that 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 identity on our offensive line and have that tough mindset. So Caleb did some really good things, um, but that's the business part of it, that we're not going to – that those will be direct conversations with him and his representation. We're not going to do that here.
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know, that's, that's uh, respectable. Caleb, we know what the mo- mo- uh, money's going to be. They have it. They got to decide if they're going to pay it or not. Uh, Last year with 4A they no matter what they did, they couldn't pay it. So that's why he's in Jacksonville going to the playoffs. Uh, Led the league in tackles again this year. You hate to see good players go. uh, But, you know, when you're in the salad cap situation they're in, he was just the latest that they had to let go. Devondre Campbell would have been good to still be here. But, uh, you know, the other big news here is, um, you know, Dean Pease retired on uh, Monday and so they're uh, they're in the search for a defensive coordinator three things we've heard so far Frank Bush took over for him Jerry Gray is tied to Smith from the uh, Tennessee days Deshay Townsend who's in Jacksonville is coaching the passing game down there you know they have relationships too but he says hes gonna cast a wide net and hire the best person so not necessarily his buddy for the job. So let's hear from coach Arthur Smith on finding a new defensive coordinator.
0: I mean, obviously, you know, we'll miss Dean. And I'm glad he got to talk to everybody on Monday. That was important. And uh, so we've cast a really wide net D-led and we're going to take our time, which I think is important. Certainly there's things that, you know, familiarity with certain schemes that you, you know, you want to talk to, but we're not going to be closed minded, uh, about anything. So I think it's important. You know, I like the setup now they have. with. I think it helps where it not, you don't feel rushed. I think in years past, if you're in this situation, you may feel a little rushed. I think things have seemed to slow down. So we'll, we'll be very uh, mindful of that. I want to talk to a lot of people. I have already have talked to a few so far. But we'll take our time.
1: Well, all right. You know, it's a big deal when we get the general manager these days because uh, the way the Falcons have it set up, they want the coach speaking for the team, and some old stupid Bill Parcells mess that the teams have adopted. Uh, the general manager is unavailable during the season. They even comment on, you know, may, you know, transactions. this basic stuff. We used to call Ron Wolf every day at four o'clock. So we get Terry um, this end of the season deal. We'll probably get him again at the uh, combine, and then the draft. You know, it's not as like where we used to hear from the general manager on a regular, almost daily basis uh, anymore. Not anything uh, that the general manager has done, but the team has elected to adopt this one voice thing that, you know, doesn't really serve the readers well. You know, we see it in medical situations where the coach is saying, I'm not a doctor. I'm like, well, we used to talk to the doctor. We walk in, in the uh walk in the training room and get the list of players for practice. Uh, but you know, those days are changing. They're changing. They think it's, um, uh, they have proprietary information, uh, when in fact they, um, you know, use a lot of taxpayer money to build all these cathedrals, but you know, we'll press on here, press on. And, uh, you know, so we, when we get the GM, we try to, you know, make sure that you get everything that he says that's pertinent, uh, to the team. And, uh, here is what
2: Terry had to say on Arthur's involvement in the defensive coordinator search. We've had a lot of conversations, even uh, while Dean was here, Arthur knows what he wants on defense. Arthur doesn't, as a head coach, as a play caller, as an off, he doesn't just stay on one side of the building and just focus on the offense. He's involved in every phase, special teams, defense, uh, offense, so he's involved in every area. And so he knows what he's always known as a, what structure he wants, what types of, he knows what affects him as a play caller and and, and what you struggle with. So he knows what he wants it to look like. And him and Dean obviously uh, conversated a lot and him and the defensive coaches. So it's not like now we're bringing in a new visionary of the defense and he's going to have a whole different, you know, Arthur really knows what he's looking for. and, And he'll be strategic in that when we sign, when we draft players, we weren't prisoners in the moment, and they're not going to fit. We're drafting players that are, can be multiple and can fit what we're looking for.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to straddle the fence on the 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three thing. They're really going to be 3-4. They're staying that way. Uh there's some other quotes here where he talked about it doesn't matter if you're 3-4 four, or 4-3 four, because you're in uh, – so many people play 11 personnel that you're going to be in a four down front anyway. You know, you got to be flexible. That's one of them. And then uh, – you know, then he's like, hey, the foundation has been built. It will be refreshing uh, to go in there and, and uh, get more formal interviews and hear people's perspectives, you know, and learn a lot about people and they're going to hire the best candidate. But the way we built it won't change. So they built the 3-4 defense, so it ain't changing. So I don't know why they played that the semantic game with us on that. But, um, yeah, so they're going to get a 3-4 guy in here. And they're going to try to let him tweak it out like they like they do in Baltimore, like they have done in Baltimore for years. And uh, that's the takeaway from that. So I'm not going to put too much stock in the 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three switch. They're going to go 3-4. They're going to have to play multiple fronts on on uh, uh, against 11 personnel and on third downs. And um, they got hybrid defensive end, outside linebackers that could turn in a defensive end. So uh, we'll be looking for a 3-4 again next year so another big thing is hey they're gonna have 70 million dollars at least in uh, money to spend in free agency so the big key in free agencies now is hey how do you evaluate them? uh was this guy just ready to take off or was this guy did he make it to free agency because you know he had problems in other places he was at uh, so evaluating free agencies to fitting your free agents to fit in your locker room is key and we discussed that with Terry, on evaluating the free agents based on how good they are or um, if other teams can't afford them.
2: Yeah, it's all risk assessment because, and, and it's a risky business because you're right, if there's a reason they're letting that player out the building, and it could just be just that, that hey, financially they might not be able to afford them, they might not be a specific fit, there could be an injury thing. There could be a character thing. So it's all risk assessment. And that's the onus is on us to make sure we, we know exactly um, what it's risk assessment. And we can really go through, hey, why is why is this player available? And is this player gonna be the right fit? So um, that's on us. And look, I, I believe our we, we've done a good job even in the last couple of years, we've been able to bring in some some free agents that are good football players and we have to do the same thing. But it is, you have to look at all those factors.
1: Yep, no doubt. Uh, We've been covering free agency since the beginning. When uh, the Reggie White lawsuit was won, Judge Doty out of Minnesota declared free agency was going to be the law of the land. And shortly thereafter, Reggie said God told him to go to Green Bay uh, over San Francisco. And so ever since then, we've seen uh, some teams get better in free agency, but very rarely do you get a player of Reggie White's in the free agency market. So we'll be studying in that market here later. Uh, the Falcons have about 27 free agents. Uh, you know, the ones they want, they could probably resign easily. Then they'll be able to go out and get some players that, uh, you know, should be able to help them. And we'll be uh, looking at that as we move forward. Before we get out of here, just want a to uh, highlight a couple postseason awards. Uh, Chris Lindstrom was named to the Pro Football Journal's uh, All-Pro second team on Monday. That's the third time in a row he's been uh, selected All-Pro by the Pro Football Journal. Uh, it's a widely respected, dedicated journal to report mainstream and esoteric aspects of professional football. And the blog is written by John Turney, a longtime pro football researcher and writer. They do a great job, especially in the trenches. And uh, they, uh, Chris Lindstrom has been on their radar for three years. He just made the Pro Bowl this year for the first time. And uh, a couple other highlights. Uh, returner Avery Williams was picked to the PFL's All-NFC team, second team as the punt returner. He averaged 16.2 yards per return this year. And kicker Youngway Koo was named Special Teams Player of the Month December slash January by the NFL on Thursday. And then uh, I didn't even know the NFL players had an all-pro team, but they do. And Corderell Patterson was selected all-pro, even though he just had nine kickoff returns for 281 and a touchdown. So there was no minimum there. And the the real all-pro team comes out on Friday. The Associated Press has voted on by their panel uh, that's the widely recognized all pro team and it will come out on Friday. Uh, the Falcons are hopeful that Lindstrom gets in, uh, Grady Jarrett would be a surprise, but, uh, maybe, um, yeah, probably Lindstrom is all, all we've been looking for, but we'll see on Friday when the uh, AP all pro team comes out. So we're gonna, uh, get on out of here. We, we, uh, you know, heard from general manager Terry Fontenot and head coach Arthur Smith about the front office offseason shuffle. The Falcons are getting ready to go on here. Starting, um, you know, a lot of things are underway already. He said the draft means are started, the pro means have started. They're right in the heart of it. They got to do the self-assess of last season, and that's going to tell them who's going to go, who's going to stay. Uh, if the markets are. Uh, you know, if they don't like the number the Falcons have, they'll go to the market. You know, one of the things I thought was, I'm like, hey, uh, if you like your guys, you're in the playoff hunt here. You know, they were until week week 17. You know, sprinkle some money in the locker room. Give Rashad Evans an extension if, you you know, you think he uh, is going to be with you. And But they didn't do that, and, and so they're taking everything into the offseason, uh, doing their evaluations, and then uh, – uh, I know uh, Lorenzo Carter was thinking, well, they, you know, they did enough to maybe they would come to him. But no extensions were granted. And uh, everybody's going into the off season, kind of, you know, hey, I might be back. I'd like to be back. Now, nobody said they didn't want to come back. Uh, but, you know, some people will want to go to the uh, open market and see what they can get out there. That was the case last year with Foyer and uh, Jacksonville made an offer. The Falcons couldn't, there was nothing they could do. They couldn't do, their hands were tied. So we'll see um, how things progress here in the offseason for the Falcons. Was a wrapping up the seven and ten season, and this is a lot uh, different vantage point than the last two offseasons where they, you know, we knew they couldn't do too much. Uh, But this offseason, they got money to spend, they got draft picks, they got players to re-sign, and, uh, you know, come um, come uh, April the 29th and uh, May the 1st, we can kind of look at it and say, oh, okay, this looks like a much-improved roster. Or, uh, hey, um, maybe this is not a much-improved roster, but they need this person to step up here and this other person step up there. But, yeah, so we got, uh, you know, a head start jumping into the off season, and we'll stay on top of things for the Atlanta Falcons. With that in mind, we're going to ask you to take care. Uh, and have a great rest of your week and enjoy the uh, Super or Super Wild Card Playoff Weekend.
0: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.